City on the edge. City. Ty, you know, before we do the city on the edge thing that we always do at the start of every episode, do you remember that conversation we had with Roland Pentilla after we recorded the last episode? I, I kind of do. Where he said he hates that part where we say city uh, on the edge over and over. So that means we can't do it because Roland well, says we can't do it? We've only heard from one person <laughs> about the intro, and and it was so 100% of our feedback on that intro was negative. Okay. So maybe um, we got to find something to replace so it. So we can, we can mix it up a little bit? I guess. Okay. Well, I just have no other ideas. Right? I have Sorry. no other ideas either. Um, if you have ideas, you can go to yeah. our Facebook page and tell us how we should introduce the uh, the episode. Yeah. Frankly, I was getting tired of saying City on the Edge over and over again. It's a little well. embarrassing when you have guests sometimes because you look ridiculous doing it. Also, yeah. uh, at live episodes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. But that doesn't change the fact that this is the City on the Edge podcast, the podcast where we tell Albuquerque stories. And yes. I am Ty Bannerman, and joining me today is... Mike Smith. Mike Smith. Nora is still uh, missing in action. She's, I don't know... Yeah. gallivanting across right. the United States. She said she would astral project in for the middle third. Yeah, so you may feel a presence yeah, um, so. <laughs> if you don't hear her name. <laughs> but we are going to be talking yeah. about yeah. Old Town today yes. and an odd, uh, little known, surprisingly little-known story about Old Town, how Old Town became a part of Albuquerque. And before we get into that, though, um, we are going to talk a little bit about Albuquerque news. Oh, yes. So, Mike, you've got an Albuquerque news story for us today? Man, all right. Now, I don't know if KRQE is going to cover this thing. <laughs> I don't know. They covered, but, uh, <laughs> they covered raccoons this week, so... But Oh, that's true. And there was a story about rain, right? Yes, there's <laughs> a story about rain today. It did rain today, so the extra, headline extra. news Read on, all about it. on KOB was rain in Albuquerque. <laughs> Yep, that's <laughs> it. Is kind of newsworthy. I mean, it like, kind of is. That's you know, if I was a shut-in, I would want the alert to look outside. I guess part of the experience yeah. of living in the desert. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, so uh, I was driving to uh, pick my kid from uh, from chess camp today. My kids, okay. he beats us both at chess all the time, you know. And uh, <laughs> yes, and, where and <laughs> I know. Yeah, the kid's ten, but sheesh. Um, so I was driving to pick him up and I was driving down snow heights and I look over out my left and there's like this like fight happening in the middle of the air and it's a giant hawk. It's a Cooper's hawk, I think. And it was fighting. It had its talons sunk in the back of this dove and the dove was flapping and they were both in the air, like flapping around. It was like a monstrous omen. This sounds like you made it up. No, it was crazy. And it was right alongside my car for like several seconds. This like swarm of feathery motion. Just, it was crazy. Like, Wow. And the, the dove was so panicked, and they were moving forward. The dove was like, they were both aloft, totally up in the air. But, I mean, and the hawk was winning. It was, a, yeah. it was clearly winning. But that it, makes sense. <laughs> but it was crazy the way it was just directly parallel to my window. This was just like three hours ago. So yeah, if we were Romans or something, yeah. that would be clearly a sign right. that uh, this uh, is where the we... government's about to collapse. Yeah, or, exactly, yeah. Oh, it's a dove, so it's peace. Or what else put me in that mode? The book, The Joy Luck Club? After I, after uh, you after you read that everything's like significant, you know? <laughs> but, but still uh, I don't like the you know the yeah. the dove getting getting destroyed oh, by the yeah, hawk. Yeah, is that, that peace being destroyed by war? Oh man, Does that that's mean we're horrible. going to war with North Korea or civil war? Yeah. I I think it means that hawks eat doves. I think it you know mostly, but God man, <laughs> that you seems know, like the most likely. I hadn't even gone there yet with my political translation. Freud says your the most correct interpretation of a dream is usually uh, the initial one that you have, like right after you wake up. Oh, you okay. know, like it that's that's like the, you're like blessed with a little bit of insight in a way, like because you're still kind of 
alive in that world. Not blessed, that's the wrong word. But, uh, you know, um, but so I don't know. So that didn't occur to me initially, you know, that it was like that. But it did just feel like, whoa, that's a real thing happening? Yeah. It's so wild to see that in the Northeast Heights suburbs right. and stuff. You know? Right. But um, so that's my my Albuquerque news. That's pretty, yeah. That's that you know. That's like uh, you seem to have a lot of like animal related. Well, Albuquerque I really news. you know Tom Tom Brown the the uh, Tom Brown Jr. who wrote these great wilderness tracking books. Have you ever seen his books? No. He has a really cool one called Guide to uh, Nature Observation and Tracking, and the whole first half is just how to see more nature. Oh, okay. And it's so cool. And once you start doing it, it turns you on to like. You, everywhere, like like you know, you you walk through a city and you see stuff growing out of cracks and you know, and insects and bugs and whatever and you know, uh, birds and whatever. Wow, um, it's he's really cool. I recommend that stuff. He has this technique called like softening your gaze, where like you you just like try to see more, like almost like looking at a magic eye, like you look at the world in that way. Oh, okay, and, that makes and sense. I, I try to remind myself of those techniques a lot, and it really like it really like I feel like I'm always like seeing cool stuff. Well, speaking of, uh, of nature and uh, New Mexico news, I've got a bit of a Albuquerque news myself. Oh, yes. Which is that the Knob Hill area is undergoing something of a, a raccoon-ageddon. Oh, raccoon nice. Raccoonocalypse. Keep uh, trying, guys. That's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. not, not sure, but the, yeah. there, are, um, there are a bunch of raccoons just swarming the area. And it's, uh, there have been not just one, but two local television news stories about raccoons. Oh, man. In uh, in uh, in the Knob Hill area, They're in Pawnee, Indiana. <laughs> the first one is entitled "Woman Enjoys Films Visits from Raccoons," <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's a great headline. I like that. <laughs> Miser started documenting the raccoons who visited her house three years ago when she realized the intruders triggering her cameras were nothing more than furry friends. Oh, man. Now. I bring this up because this was a very controversial article on uh, Nextdoor.com. You um, ever read Nextdoor.com? Oh, I signed up for it once, and I was like, oh, my neighbors are horrible. No, Bye. this is the best way to find out how racist your neighborhood <laughs> is, is to go onto, uh, onto, um, onto Nextdoor.com. Yeah, but it's like Facebook for neighborhoods. How, and, and most of the controversy, you know, there's always like some political controversies or uh, whatever. But uh, this week, it has been nothing but raccoons and this news story and... Whether raccoons are God's creatures or whether they're like vermin who need to be purged uh, from the earth. Uh, the thing read, is... Read rac- rascal. That's what I say. <laughs> Sterling North. They are, um, they are uh, you know, they are uh, difficult in, in uh, civilized areas. Oh, yeah, especially if you have uh, you know, pets or, or yeah. animals. I had three of my chickens uh, destroyed by raccoons. Oh, and they man. really destroy... Oh. A chicken, and I remember you describing the aftermath. It was pretty grisly. Not pretty. Yeah. Um, and I, reading through this thread on nextdoor.com, apparently a lot of my neighbors have turtles, hmm. but they don't yeah. anymore. They have uh, turtle shells now uh. that have been scooped out by raccoons. Uh. Um, so anyway, this was a major point of controversy, and this article that came out on uh, on KOB uh, attracted a lot of criticism. So the next day, there is now a second raccoon story on KOB and that story is Knob Hill resident says raccoons wiped out his fish. Oh. So anyway, I'm saying, and then, Uh, huh? In like a koi pond or something? Yeah, he had like a koi pond and um, they, they come and they eat all his fish, I guess. So anyway, I just thought that that was pretty great, pretty great reporting from KOB on the great raccoon crisis of 2017 showing both sides of the issue. On the one hand, Furry friends. Yes. On the other hand, fish murderers. Yeah. So good job, Joy Wong. Raccoons are so smart. Right. I, I really do love that book, Rascal. 
They're amazing I animals. I, yeah. I, I think so. Um, yeah. I don't, you know, I, I don't know what you can do. I guess if right. they keep hitting your yard or something, you got to trap them yeah. or something like that. But I, I'm, I think I would just kind of leave them alone. As, yeah, exactly. Just like, let as them, long as they don't murder all my chickens. Yeah, try not to and, murder us. Yeah. And frankly, I had too many chickens. Right, right. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> well, I mean, who was here first? You know, like nature or civilization? Yeah, we're we're intruders, man. Um, we're, we're big time intruders. We had bitten off more than we could chew with the chickens, but oh, yeah. you know, so the raccoons chewed a bit uh, to help out. Yeah. Um, I well, also went to the little beaver. Festival oh, yeah, that's this right. weekend. Uh, our last episode, of course, was about the Little Beaver Town oh, yes. in Albuquerque, uh, and Troy Vicente was there. And he, because of Troy Vicente, a member of the Hickoria Apache mm-hmm. uh, uh, tribe um, up in Dulce, New Mexico, which is on Hickoria, mm-hmm. uh, they celebrate Little Beaver, this uh. mostly forgotten character from 1940s and 1950s comic books. Mm-hmm. They've celebrated him for 59 years That's now. Crazy. They proclaim a new Little Beaver every year. They have a week's worth of festivities. Uh. It's not just the parade. They have like pet parades, car shows, Battle of the Bands. Uh, pow wows, rodeos. I mean, this is this is intense. Man. Um, so I went up there and I, I saw that. And if you ever uh, want to see something really cool, absolutely okay. unique, yeah, um, in New Mexico uh, and very very New Mexico, very New Mexico. Um, go to Dulce, New Mexico, in mid July nice. for the Little Beaver Parade. It's not just about the character; it's yeah. about you know the tribe, it's and it's about you know hometown pride and and yeah. everything else. And, and while you're there, you can poke around. Uh, what's that mesa up there? Um, that I mean, that uh, oh man, I'm forgetting the name of it. I don't remember the there, name. There's of the mesa. A, uh, there's a mesa up above town. Man, I I remember this when I was talking with with uh, Troy, but I can't, now I can't remember. Uh, there's a mesa up above town, and supposedly it's hollow, and there's an underground city where the government is doing human alien hybrids, and there was a war underground called the Dulce <laughs> War, and you can read about it online. You've heard some of this stuff, right? Oh yeah, well we it's, did a we we mentioned yeah. the Dulce underground base oh, yeah. in our uh, paranormal oh, yeah, episode. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. A while back. Um, yeah. And their accidental release of a hybridized genetic beast, the oh. cat rabbit. Oh, or the cabbit. cabbit. Yeah. Did we do that? We did that episode. We talked a little bit about them. Yeah, I wrote an article on that. I forgot. The yeah. Cabot. Um Yeah. Supposedly appeared there in the seventies. Man, Dulce, I think that's one of those corners that just attracts interesting stuff. It's the only place I've ever seen a javelina. Oh really? In, in huh. New Mexico. <laughs> yeah. And uh when I was there, man, um I was there, uh I, I wrote something about the, that uh, there was a guy who like went crazy and went like Rambo and stormed off into the desert in the surrounding area with a machine gun, just like shooting in every direction. Oh. And there was a giant chase for him. Really? This is back in like 2012. I like I oh. forget the details, but it was Weirdsville. He took the uh, the uh, Chevron station there or something hostage for a while. Okay. And I don't know that anyone was killed, but he was off his rocker. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. But uh, so you you. Uh, we were hinting earlier that you had some very weird experiences. I did have also. some weird experiences yeah. up there. Yeah. Um, in Chama, the first one was in Chama. I stayed the night in Chama uh, because it's the only time. hotel in Dulce was completely packed wow. for a little beaver. I love Chama. Um, it's about half an hour away. And it, yeah, it's a beautiful town. Stayed George at the O'Keefe Shamrock Man. Hotel, yeah. uh, also known as The Hotel and Shops. Nice. Um, right across the, the street from the train, the, train, the uh, narrow gauge Cumbers Toltec Railroad. The, the meadows around there are just incredible, aren't it they? It is like, really uh, a gorgeous oh, place. Oh, man. I mean, as as someone that like is more familiar with brown and desert, when I see that uh-huh. kind of green, it just levels me. I just am like, whoa, <laughs> it's so beautiful. I want to dive into this somehow. I ate that night at the uh, High Country Steakhouse, and I ate at the at the bar, oh, sitting man. at the bar, and um, 
this guy sitting next to me. He uh, he turned around and, and shook my hand when I walked in, and he, and uh, uh, he may have introduced himself, but I couldn't understand a word he yeah. said. And, you know, I was sort of polite. And I, you yeah. know, I, I shook, you know, uh, nodded at him and said, "Hey, you know, nice, yeah. nice to meet you," and all that. And I sat down, and then about three minutes later, he tapped me on the shoulder and shook my hand again, and then said something that I couldn't understand at all. Okay. And I kind of again did the whole like, "Oh yeah, okay, hey, good to good to see you again oh, too," you know. Oh, and then about five minutes after that, he did it again. He probably he shook my hand multiple times that <laughs> night. I never understood a word he said. I think at one point he told me it was his birthday okay. and that he was 175 years old. Oh, man. Uh, at another point, he kind of made like horns on his head, like oh, with man. his fingers and sort of mooed like a cow at me. I think um, I met this guy. Let's <laughs> like, I, this is too weird, man. So I don't know what Whoa. that was about. He had a friend with him huh. uh, and the friend said uh, at one point he kind of leaned over toward me and he was like, yeah, don't, don't mind him. He's kind of loony toony, oh. um, but he's always happy. Oh, well, that's so nice. I thought, okay, well, 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 good yeah. for that. And you know, like he, he was, uh, it was sort of a, a pleasant, strange, yeah. quirky part of my trauma experience. Well, you know, when something really weird happens, it, it really is kind of like a gift in some ways. Cause you're just like, Oh, I thought the world was all one way. Yeah. Thanks man. Right. You know, <laughs> I mean, I guess you kind of worry about it just because yeah. like, you don't, you know, when somebody is like acting in a way that oh, yeah, just yeah. completely seems out of no, the norm, yeah, yeah. you, you're always like, well, so far so good. But yeah. you know, what if he like jumps right. up and starts yelling or something, you know, that never happened, but with the uh, new season of twin peaks on, did you feel like you were in an episode <laughs> of that? Like, totally. Oh, that's crazy. Um, and then the next day after <laughs> I, after I went to the little beaver parade and I was driving back down to Albuquerque, I totally felt like a twin peaks moment. Cause I picked up a guy on the side of the road who waved, he like flagged me down uh-huh. and I could just tell, like, I wasn't really like in the mood to pick up any hitchhikers or anything, right, but right. you could just like tell, okay, this guy seems like he's in some real distress and I couldn't oh, no. tell why. And then I pull over and his shirt is just covered in blood oh and he's been gosh. like beaten. He's all bloodied all oh, over the face man. and everything. He gets in the car and he's totally like disoriented. Um, he's, he kind of, I'm like, where do you, you know, are you okay? And all he's like, no, they beat me up. Um, and like, okay, what do we do? And he's like, just, just drive that way. You know, oh, I'm like, are we going guy. to Espanola? And he, he just kind of nods or something, but he seemed really super disoriented and I couldn't quite figure out what had happened to right, him. Right. Um, and then a, cop started coming from the direction of Espanola with his lights on and the guy's like flag him down flag him down so I I like waved my hand out the window for the cop and then pulled over and then the cop turned around and we both got out of the car and um, the guy went with the, the cop. Oh, that's good. So wow. it was just weird because he had, uh, like I drove him for about 300 yards yeah. uh, before the cop kind of pulled, pulled over. Yeah. But it was just like this really strange, like I don't know what happened to that guy, oh but it wasn't gosh. good. He and took him uh, right to the underground base and he's being, <laughs> yeah. having his jeans spliced with right. aliens. Right. right. So I, I don't, you know, um, hopefully he's okay. He didn't seem like he had any broken Dude, uh, those are limbs. two weird stories. Like that, yeah. that makes that place sound really strange. Man. Yep. New Mexico's got some some interesting things happening out there. It's so full of secrets. I've had so many weird roadside encounters and things like that. That like not that exactly, but like just various just things where I'm like, what was that? Yeah, Who was that person? Yeah. What's their life like? It just. Jesus. I mean, I don't know if you've. Uh, 
You've probably picked up hitchhikers from time to yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I used to hitchhike all the time, so I feel like yeah. oh, it, you know, karmically. But you do you have that moment like right when you pick someone up, where you're like, well, I hope he doesn't kill me. <laughs> of course. <yeah>. <laughs> so <laughs> when I saw what? the guy's bloody shirt yeah. for a second, I was like, oh crap, because it just you know it's like not rationally like the guy with the bloody shirt is yeah. probably not going to like hurt you, but yeah. it it tripped some yeah. kind of thing in my brain something where it's like, okay, here. something's going on here. I need to evaluate the situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's crazy. Dude. Yeah. Strange one. Man. I know I don't know what it is, man, but I think like, you know, I know some people that just seem more prone to ending up in these weird stories than other people. You're one of them, and I don't I don't know why that is. Like probably maybe, a willingness to drive through northern New Mexico oh, and pick people up it, every yeah, once yeah. in a while. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, strange man. Everyone's living the weirdest lives. Like there's no normal. There's just I mean. Anyway. I, I feel like that's kind of the thing with, with Albuquerque and New Mexico in general is it's like, you know, we're, we're outside of the norm of America, yeah. Yeah. American life a lot of the, in a lot of ways. And um, maybe that makes it just more prone to having like yeah. interesting experiences. Yeah. I mean, just going to the Dulce, that's New Mexico, true, yeah. Yeah. Um, little beaver town parade yeah. was pretty weird in its way, you yeah. know, yeah. Uh, it was great. All totally oh, positive. I just remember the name of the Mesa above Dulce, Arcoleta. Arcoleta. Arcoleta Mesa, yeah. Mesa. The one that's supposed to be. Okay. Well, shall we move on yeah, to uh, Old Town? Let's do it. So let's you you, uh, you have an article this week? Yeah, this is uh, tentatively titled The uh, the Battle of Old Town. Okay. or um, And, oh, yeah, our transition, too, from Little Beaver Town to Old Town. To Old Town. The connection yeah. is town. Yes, town. Sometimes it's really tenuous, the episode connection. That's all right. But what do you do? <laughs> you know... We're but, tenuous folks. So I'm, I'm excited to hear this because so like this is about how Old Town became Albuquerque. Because for a while, Old Town and Albuquerque were independent of each other, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Or Old Town and New Albuquerque or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. As we've mentioned, they were at one point two separate towns. Okay. Well, I can't wait um, to hear this. Okay, well, let's just uh, go ahead and go right on it. Cool. Here's a bit of trivia you may not have known. Until 1949, Old Town was not a part of the city of Albuquerque. Despite what you may have read on historic plaques or in certain history books, the city of Albuquerque was a completely separate community from Old Town, Albuquerque. And please note that Albuquerque is spelled with two R's until the middle of the 20th century. This, of course, flies in the face of what many Albuquerque residents know. An explanation is in order. La Via de San Francisco Javier, later San Felipe de Neri, the Albuquerque, was founded in 1706 as a colony of the Spanish crown in the area known today as Old Town. For 243 years, it remained an independent community. In 1881, 35 years after New Mexico became a territory of the United States, the ATNSF Railroad Company made the decision to build a depot two miles to the east of Via de Albuquerque. Immediately upon the depot's completion, a new and entirely separate town began rising up around it. Despite being located well outside the original Via, this town was named, confusingly, New Albuquerque. The loss of that first R from Albuquerque to Albuquerque, a side effect of Anglo-American tongues fumbling over the original Spanish pronunciation. For 60 years, two towns called Albuquerque, or something like it, coexisted in the middle Rio Grande Valley. One was new, therefore the other became known as Old Albuquerque, or simply Old Town. At this point, many of the popular books that deal with Albuquerque history, including, incidentally, mine, are content to leave Old Albuquerque and focus on the rapid rise of New Albuquerque, 
with its smoke and train whistles and booming industry heralding a new and distinctly American era. If old Albuquerque warrants a mention at all, it is often in dismissive terms, as in Betty Castile's autobiography, Old Town Albuquerque in the 1940s and a Little Beyond, wherein she describes the plaza as having slumbered for years while adobes crumbled into dust and mud. The prevailing view seems to be that Old Town was unimportant at this time, a dormant community, a place where life once happened but no longer did. But these passages belie the truth of the matter. Old Town, though no longer the center of Albuquerque's growth, remained a vital community in its own right, one with a strong, separate identity from the burgeoning municipality to the east that shared a mangled version of its name. So then, what was Old Town like between the 1880s and 1949, the year that the two Albuquerques merged into one? It was a predominantly Hispanic community, with strong cultural and family ties, It was semi-rural, with many families owning livestock and farming inherited plots of land alongside the local acequia. Family, religion, and work dominated day-to-day life, with festivals and church services meeting both spiritual and social needs. In other words, it was much the same as it had been in the century leading up to the founding of New Albuquerque, but with one important difference. Its population, which had steadily grown from the time of the American annexation of New Mexico until New Albuquerque was founded in the late 1800s, was now declining in fits and starts as economic opportunities shifted to center around the railroad. The early part of the century rolled out several dramatic ups and downs for the village. In the 1920s, during the noble experiment of prohibition, the plaza area experienced a somewhat unsavory economic resurgence. The community's more tolerant attitudes toward alcohol and gambling made it a natural getaway for new Albuquerqueans looking to escape that city's stricter enforcement of federal law. However, the Great Depression followed soon after, and the area was hit hard by the skyrocketing price of grain and poultry as the speakeasies closed after the repeal of the 18th Amendment. The next decade saw even greater changes for the community. World War II was rough on New Mexico, and Old Town suffered as male residents were drafted in high numbers, many never to return. After the war, new Albuquerque's population exploded as a booming defense industry attracted workers from across the country. Not only that, but tourism was reinvigorating the Southwest's post-war economy, and the combination of rapid growth and a desire to attract the dollars of motoring travelers would cast Old Town's future in doubt. It's not too difficult to find the story of Old Town to this point. Of course, the noisier goings-on in New Albuquerque tend to overshadow the quieter history of Old Town, but it is there. The story of the community's annexation itself, however, is difficult to pinpoint. It would be easy to assume, based on most accounts, that it had been a fairly straightforward affair. As New Albuquerque grew westward, Old Town found itself surrounded by the city, and the inevitable absorption took place. What struck me is how the history of Old Town is either distorted or ignored, writes Benny Andres, professor of history at the University of North Carolina in Charlotte. Andres is the author of La Plaza Vieja, Old Town Albuquerque, The Transformation of a Hispano Village, one of the few academic articles to delve into the recent history of Old Town. I think there is disinterest among historians of New Mexico to write community studies, as well as a general disinterest in the 20th century. According to Andres, the post-war success of Santa Fe's transformation into a tourist mecca caused merchants in New Albuquerque to lust after a similar draw that would attract America's motoring sightseers. 
Old Town, with its beautifully preserved plaza and undeniable historic significance, could easily form a picturesque anchor for the city's envisioned tourist trade. Not only that, but the 1950 census loomed, and city commissioners hoped the area's annexation would help inflate the city's overall population, showcasing it as a booming town of the New West and hopefully attracting more industry. At an Albuquerque City Commission meeting on June 29, 1948, the city made one of its first overt moves to take over the area. Under a recently passed state law called the Roswell Act, municipalities could, without the consent of the persons affected, annex up to five acres of land that was adjacent to the city limits on at least two sides. Old Town's plaza could be neatly encapsulated within that five-acre parcel, and the commission had that very day annexed the country club area to Old Town's south, providing the second of the two required sides. Commissioner Owen Marone moved that a resolution be prepared to incorporate Old Town into the city limits property, according to the law. Incensed that the commission would consider annexing Old Town without allowing its residents to have a voice in the proceedings, no less a person than Mayor Clyde Tingley himself lambasted Marone for not having notified the public about his proposal before the meeting. What would happen to the resolution, he asked, if 80% of the people affected expressed themselves as opposed to it? Marone's answer revealed a startling disdain for the residents of Old Town. It would be no evidence to me, at least, that there was a rational basis for opposition. Rather, it might mean that 80% were misled by someone who thought that the proposal was harmful to them. The motion passed. The majority of Old Towners, not keen on the idea of their beloved community being transformed into a tourist draw, and seeing that the city intended to steamroll them in the rush to take the area over, acted quickly to organize an opposition to the measure. Petitions were signed. Residents spoke passionately at city commission meetings, and a lawsuit was filed to challenge the law under which the annexation would proceed. Meanwhile, the Albuquerque Journal came out firmly on the side of pro-annexation. Shifting the debate from economics and growth to the sanitation and the fear of disease, the journal used its pulpit to argue that annexation of the Old Town Plaza was a matter of hygienic necessity. Pointing to Old Town's lack of sewage facilities, a July 6, 1948 journal article argued, Always there is the danger that polio and other epidemics will originate from improper sanitary methods. If the outside areas will not recognize this menace, then the city of Albuquerque must recognize it and act accordingly. Furthermore, the editorial went on, the city should use whatever means is available to force annexation, no matter the wishes of the residents. The implication was clear. The foolish resistance to annexation represented a health menace that could put all the residents of Albuquerque in danger. Never mind that at least one community inside Albuquerque's city limits, Martinez Town, still lacked sewage facilities at this time. In Old Town itself, the debate became increasingly heated. While a clear majority of residents opposed it, several prominent merchants came out in support of the proposal. Among those who favored annexation, there was a genuine desire for access to city services, such as the aforementioned sewage and water facilities, as well as the hope that a tourist-oriented Old Town would bring greater economic opportunities to the area. Those who opposed feared that they would face paying much higher property taxes and that the transformation of the plaza into a historic set piece would undermine the community that they had grown up in and loved. The conflict grew bitter as the city of Albuquerque stepped up its efforts to take over the area, and violent eruptions were sometimes only narrowly avoided. In an Albuquerque Journal article from December 30, 1980, Old Town resident Emma Chavira recalls that her grandmother, Mary Moya, 
stared down a group of torch-wielding vigilantes who threatened to burn her house down due to her support for annexation. Fortunately, the mob left without making good on their promise. With the previous annexation attempt now bogged down in legal arguments, the city commission attempted to bring Old Town into the city limits under the auspices of another state law. This time, however, Old Town residents would be given a chance to be represented in the decision-making process. An annexation board would be chosen, consisting of members from the area under consideration and from the city of Albuquerque. After a slate of three anti-annexationists were overwhelmingly elected by Old Town voters, it became apparent that no consensus would be reached with the three pro-annexation members chosen by the Albuquerque City Commission. District judges appointed a tiebreaker to the board, an Albuquerque attorney and historian named Gilberto Espinosa. Espinosa cast his vote in favor of the annexation, and Old Town Albuquerque was subsumed into the city that had appropriated its name so many years before. After the takeover, the Old Towners were no longer able to play as great a role in determining the outcome of their village as before. Instead of being an important, independent community, Old Town became, according to Andres, just another precinct in a growing city. True, the community gained needed amenities like city sewage, but it also endured a shocking 33% increase in its taxes. City ordinances made it illegal to keep livestock in the area, and within a few years, the Old Town Asequia itself was filled in. As the Old Town lifestyle changed and both taxes and property values increased, more and more residents began selling their homes to buyers who hoped to capitalize on the tourist trade. By the 1970s, Old Town Plaza was characterized by the tourist-oriented galleries, souvenir shops, and restaurants that we know today. For Professor Andres, this transformation is nothing short of a tragedy. This is a cautionary tale of how other communities are swallowed by urban behemoths, he says. The loss of a neighborhood or community identity is dismissed in the march for profits. Today, Old Town is a neighborhood that lacks a strong identity. It is simply a subdivision of Albuquerque. John Hofsis, owner of Treasure House Books and Gifts on Old Town Plaza, doesn't quite agree with Andres' statement. It depends on your definition of what constitutes Old Town. If you are confining it to just the immediate plaza, then yes, I'm sure it is not the same kind of neighborhood it was in the 40s, he says. It's commercial focus as tourist shops, but these shops are still mostly smaller mom-and-pop stores, as is mine. The anchor and key to Old Town's identity is, and always has been, San Felipe de Neri Church. As long as it remains, it will always be the social focus of the area. Damien Flores, a local slam poet born and raised in the neighborhood just west of Old Town Plaza, agrees. There's still a sense of pride and identity in Old Town Plaza. Many of the people I've talked to still have a connection to the plaza. However, he quickly adds, many of those people, my grandparents included, lived in the buildings that are now retail space, so there's still resentment towards what the plaza has become. As for myself, I believe that Hofsis and Flores are correct that Old Town is not simply a subdivision of Albuquerque, but rather continues to be a community with a unique identity within the context of our greater city. However, it is also clear that in the bitter struggle over the area's annexation and its subsequent loss of self-determination, an intrinsic and vital aspect of the neighborhood was lost forever. The Old Town Plaza, the very heart of one of the area's oldest and most distinct communities, was wrested away from those who cherish it most. Hopefully, uh, 
For the listener, they will notice nothing, but that was one of the more tortured recording sessions. I think you were interrupted like 50 times. We're sitting here in my um, <laughs> in my dining room, and my kids are home, and my dogs are barking. And One of your dogs like licked a frying pan cre- clean, and it sounded like he was choking down a whole turkey the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear it in the background. So hopefully you guys don't have to uh, to hear about that. Oh, man. So was that a story you were familiar with? Dude, I just learned so much stuff. I had no clue of any of that. Way to make Old Town, a previously quaint and nice part of town that I liked, so cold and cynical. That's great. <laughs> well, I, I really don't think it's cold and no, cynical. I really do feel that I, I get, <laughs> it does preserve its own but, unique identity. But there's so but. much bureaucracy there and so much calculating. Uh, I mean, Santa Fe had that same thing. You read Chris yeah. Wilson's book, The Myth of Santa Fe. That was a very calculated plan, the way that they... Package their their old town plaza, uh, right. the, and the way that uh, they decided on what the oldest house in Santa Fe was. They don't know that that's the oldest house in Santa Fe. How would you know what the oldest house in Santa Fe right. is? There's so many houses. Sure, like you know, it, it's just their guess. A committee got together and they're like, "This would look good on postcards." It's myth making. Right? Yeah, it's it's we're going to create a story that's yeah. easily sellable. I mean, um, which which connects this story pretty well to Little Beaver, Little Beaver Town too. That's a good when point. You, when yeah. you think about uh, you know just how artificial that was. I mean, that was. We didn't talk about this when we had everybody on. There was so much I wanted to talk about. Like, you know, it was it was so much about. Uh, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll tie it back to what we're talking about. But but uh, there was so much I wanted to talk about with that, like the idea of like these people playing cowboys and Indians, quote unquote, yeah. um, while like like Little Beaver Town is literally near the site of Silver Ruin, like a, right. a, an ancestral Puebloan pueblo that you can read about in. Linda Cordell's book to Harris Canyon, like that was that was right by there. I feel like we're going to come back to Little Beaver Town at some point. There's, I think there's so. a rich vein there. Yeah, for sure. it's connected to a lot of stuff. But also, again, that idea of mytholo- the mythology yeah. of the West coming into yeah. coming head on with the reality of the West and and yeah. weird things like the Hickory Apache tribe really embracing the Little Beaver character. So weird. That's great. When you know we. I think uh, Roland said something about it being a, a, a pretty positive portrayal, but yeah, he still speaks Tonto, in you know pigeon English, right. like heap them and all that. You and there's a fusion of like a bunch, just anything Native American that was interesting to the writer. You know, like, right? He lives right. in a teepee, unlike anyone in this area, you know, <laughs> and, and not the Navajo for sure. Right, right. right yeah. um, um, but this is this is so interesting. Just hearing uh, how, like, man, it's kind of a sadder story. I mean. That seems like such a long ago chapter, Old Town. But I, I've met people that knew people that only knew Albuquerque as Old Town. Before. Really? Yeah. Like I used to deliver papers with this older guy, uh, and his grandmother would always tell stories about Old Town Albuquerque and like what it was like before New Albuquerque came and how the railroad right. changed everything and stuff. And I'm like, that's so close. We're so close to that historically. It's like I've met a couple of people in my life that knew people that were in the Civil War, you know. And it's like. Wow, that's so wow. we're so close to that. <laughs> it's stuff. not that far away. It's not really. that far, which well, is which is why it's so wrong that there's an honorary plaque in the center of Old Town put by the Daughters of the Confederacy or whatever, uh, honoring the Confederates at the skirmish of the Battle of Albuquerque that took. Are place Are they there. removing that? I feel like they're removing. There that. was I'm a news story sure. about it, but I can't remember what the end result was of it. Um, I mean, I feel like there should be a plaque mentioning that that oh, happened. It's, it's historically interesting, but honoring but, these pro-slavery jerks? Who yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, and I like some of those pro, pro those jerks in the as people in that, like, A.B. Petticolis wrote about, he mm-hmm. kept d- journals that whole time, and that's a valuable historical record, and he seems like a sympathetic fellow who didn't know what he was fighting for and was just kind of a grunt. But, but uh, I mean, you know, that was a nasty cause. Oh yeah, so, no, no. You know, I don't, I don't definitely understand. a terrible cause. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think 
Oh, sorry, but uh, yeah, if you're pro-slavery, you're yeah. on the wrong side. Yeah, it's check out some other podcasts, or better works. yet, don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> so <laughs> that book I mentioned, Betty Castile's uh, Old Town, that Albuquerque. sounds amazing. What a great title. In the 1940s and a little beyond. Yeah. It's well worth checking out. I'm it's definitely to. like heard a of it. very, um, you know, it's it's pro-tourist development. It's, oh, it's fairly thin, but she talks about things like uh, Al Hurricane. Interesting. Uh, Playing uh, oh, his yeah. guitar out on the on the plaza, you know, oh, yeah. for the tourists and really? so forth. Oh, and there was cool. this cool time where um, Old Town was being turned into the tourist mecca that it is now, where it was kind of a hybrid community. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I feel like there were good stories that came yeah. out of that. Do you have a, Do you have a favorite place in in Old Town? Well, you know, I love La Placida, that little restaurant. Too, Their food is actually really good, and they have a tree growing through the middle of it. They How do you do. not freaking love a place with a tree? And that tree has a great story. Apparently, that area in the middle there used to be roofless, mm-hmm. and um, it was a, like a little courtyard in, in, a, in, a, in a home, and uh, the, that was where they would uh, kill oxen on occasion. Yeah, okay. I thought, I don't, maybe it was like a half courtyard or something. I don't know. Some of these details don't quite sound right. But that's where they would kill... Like they would do animal slaughter, and the tree grew from the blood of these animals that yeah. were like being. Well, that makes sense. Killed. Cool. I mean, that's, I guess blood, it's cool. Blood yeah. makes the grass Carni- grow. Carnivorous tree. Um, you know what I found out? You said oxen. Yeah. yeah. I always thought oxen were a whole different species. They're just cows, right? They're just gilded bulls. Oh, bulls, bulls. Okay. They're steers yeah. that huh. pull things. That's oh. all they are. Huh. There's my daughter doing some squeaking over there. <laughs> um, Kids. There's no off switch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we usually do it over at the press yeah, club. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I remembered the wrong. Oh, place. that's, that's yeah. <laughs> um, um, I think my uh, my favorite old town place uh, is going to be Treasure House book bookstore. Oh, I love Treasure House. That's um, a good little story. John Hofsis, who's quoted in this article, is a great guy. His dad's a great yeah. guy. Um, he always carries our books. <laughs> he carries our books, but yeah. also lots of New Mexican books in general. Oh, it's yeah, very yeah. oriented towards Albuquerque, New Mexico it's history. A, it's a very good. He's it's a very cultivated. Uh, uh, selection that he has there. Oh yeah, you know, he's really obviously knows the history of the area. This is not a grab bag no, kind yeah, of place. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the other thing is that uh, secret. Um, it's not really a secret, but there's that little uh, chapel, um, Santa Nuestra. Oh, that is cool. that little tiny chapel, uh, Guadalupe, I think. Stop there on a ghost tour, and they're like, and the ghost taps you on the shoulder, and then of course everyone starts getting tapped on the shoulder. Yeah. Oh, did they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a neat little chapel. You know, I've never taken the ghost tour in Old Town. What was that like? Um, just f- really intriguing, but everything they said was just made up. It was like the guide had just made it up. Like I couldn't find any of the stories that he was talking about. When did a when did a naked prostitute kill twelve <laughs> people with a hatchet or something? I mean, that just never happened in Albuquerque. <laughs> You know, yeah, like, that didn't. Um, at least not not then. Maybe recently. There's got to be some some good real ghost stories about Old Town. Oh, I mean. of course there are. That's why I was so disappointed that they hadn't even done like some real history. Yeah. They could have linked it up to some real stuff easily. And right. then he told like a La Llorona story, and it was like so out of like a B horror film. Like, oh really? You know. <laughs> and her eyes were in her hand, and it's just like, come on, you know. And then they stop it. Like they they we they would stop on like a stop on the tour and be like, "This place is haunted." And I'd like pull a waiter aside, like, "Is it really haunted?" No, not really. <laughs> I never heard about that. Um, <laughs> the restaurant uh, High Noon Saloon. Yeah. Um, they they at least uh, they at least have their staff on board and telling their ghost story. Oh, like they they've all told me that there's a, a lady in white who goes yeah. through there. That's a good and yeah. You know, I, I can't knows, vouch for the veracity of the yeah. ghost story, but it is cool that that building has been there for a very long time. Oh, sure. And it's clearly an old, you know, uh, rambling yeah. um, 
not a via. What do you call it? The old uh, hacienda. Hacienda. Yeah. Hacienda. Um, that's cool. Yeah. That's man. I mean, who knows? We don't understand time. We don't understand reality. We don't know how sure. many dimensions we live in. Like anything's <laughs> possible. You know, I remember watching some unsolved mystery show, and they were like, "This house that had seemed haunted somewhere in the Middle East had turned out to be made mostly of silica, the same stuff in cassette tapes, and it had been recording voices in the walls for over years." Like, what? I mean, just like you know, there's sometimes there's cool explanations like that. That you know would be insane if that's true. Yeah, you know. Hmm. But uh, I mean. I don't know. It's a strange world. But regardless, metaphorically, there's ghosts all over there, man. That, that, yeah, that is, that is a, a cool part of town with an old history. And, yeah. You know, I mean, this, what, your piece, which was so great, man. I learned so much from this. Um, it made me wonder about all the other towns in Albuquerque. Duranus and Borellas. Yeah. Fi- five points. And, and that's a great point because, of so course. On. How many others? Old Town is not the only community yeah. that was absorbed this way. Yeah. yeah. What did you say? Duranus, five Duranus, points. Borellas, uh, San Jose, uh, five points. Los Griegos. Los Griegos. Um, I know there's a bunch more. I think uh, there's one called Pajarito. Well, there's the whole South Valley, which isn't yeah. technically part of Albuquerque. Yeah. The Montgomery Ranchland. I mean, yeah, and then there's know? the old homesteaders yeah, and stuff yeah. too. Um, but yeah, that some some version of that story must have played out for all of those Man. communities as well. Interesting. That's so sad that they were so pushed around. I mean, I'll tell you what was a huge misstep was banning all the animals. Like yeah. now, it's all coming back. People have backyard, right. you know, chickens right. and sheep, or sometimes, sometimes. You know. And filling in but, the acequia. I oh, gotta say, that's criminal. that to me is heartbreaking. You want a historic district, and you want to get rid of the stuff that like makes it so alive. People would have loved that. There Just was the old town acequia, and then there was the downtown acequia oh. too. I mean, there's which were. You know, kind of lifeblood of the community yeah. uh, areas, and um, they're both filled in. You can still find traces of the downtown Asakia. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, south of downtown, going into wow. the South Valley, you can see the old dried-up oh bed of it. Interesting. In Duranus, you can definitely see. They're still active Asakias right Yeah, there, the North Valley yeah, has yeah, loads of them yeah. still. Um, Oh, man. That'd be another subject we mountains. should touch on. At some so point. many are dry though up in the mountains. It makes me sad. Oh really? Yeah. I mean, I love that San Antonio open space uh, up there, um, back like by Cedar Crest, mm-hmm. and it's yeah, it's, it's been dry forever. It used to be just this wonderful like intersection of acequias, and there's this willow tree that's just huge. It's got like it's like twenty feet around at the base. Stanley, uh, what's his name, wrote about it in uh, the River in Winter. Who's the guy he wrote Meyer Domo? Stanley Crawford. Oh, okay. yeah. He wrote about it in the, in the big standoff that the homesteaders had up there with development companies. But, man, I mean, th- dude, this is cool. You really caught something here. Because, yeah, you're right. Once 1880 happens, typically in most Albuquerque histories, the end, old town's gone. Now it's just absorbed into new town. Right, yeah. But that's not what happened at all. There was, like, 70 years almost. Quite right? distinct. And, in, yeah. you know, I'd love to read, like, a history of... Old town of the Prohibition years. Or oh, I know. Like Where that. were these speakeasies? What were they like? Are there photos? I think there are. I've seen a couple. Well, I, yeah. I feel like that's a good a good note to sort of wrap up oh, on. Yeah. Do and we have then, anything else? Any emails or matters uh, of business? No emails. Podcast festival, September 23rd. Oh, yeah. We're doing a podcast yeah. festival, September 23rd. New Mexico Podcast Festival. What's it called? New Mexico uh, I'm Podscape? I'm calling it Podscape. Podscape. It's presented by City on the Edge. We're going to have yes. a lot of great podcasts. Uh, we haven't yeah. quite um, nailed down everything for sure, but it certainly looks like... The people from Potential Problems are probably okay. going to be there. Um, Alba Crazy, okay. the, some representation of um, of Breaking Math, who okay. uh, guested right. on our show a couple weeks back. Cool. Um, although Gabriel is going to have a baby 
Yeah. Right around then. So. People have the lamest excuses. I know. I was like, so your kid won't reschedule? Yeah. Like, come on. He's yeah. already this inflexible and he's this If young. is the middle of life to quote Apocalypse Now. You know, <laughs> you're going to miss the podcast <laughs> festival to be there at the birth of your child. We see where your priorities are. And Great. then in August, uh, we are going to be at the Albuquerque Maker Fair. Okay, yeah, that's going to be the weekend of August uh, 26th and 27th. We're going to be doing a live broadcast there. I'm not sure about the exact date yet, but uh, watch yeah. the web, watch the uh, Facebook page. Uh, by the way, we have a Facebook yeah. page. It's uh, City on the Edge podcast. We have a Twitter. City yeah. on the Edge is our Twitter handle. Yes. We have an email. You can email us at City on the Edge podcast at gmail um, and we have a Patreon, www.patreon.com slash city on the edge. Right. You can also just bring money right to our house <laughs> if you know where we live. Um, actually, it's really helpful for us. You know, that's <laughs> helped us buy some great equipment. Yeah, and, um, you know, we'd love to get a point. Here's the thing. If we can get to a point where we can, like, afford babysitting and stuff mm-hmm. like that, we can bring you these episodes on a on a very regular yeah, basis. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we're not quite there yet. Maybe, you know, if you're... If we uh, could do this for a living, we would travel and we would, like, we would, we would you know, go interview awesome people and stuff. You're, you're doing that on your own dime sometimes. You, you know, yeah, right, exactly. Uh, but, yeah, exactly. I mean, we could, yeah. you know, we could do more travel and... That kind of thing. Yeah. Spend more time researching. Um, yeah. Also, if you are an employer looking to hire me, give me a call. <laughs> I need a job bad. I'm like in he does. crazy application he does. mode right now. Or just donate a lot of money to patreon.com yeah. slash city on the edge and we'll pay yeah. Mike. Uh, yeah. I need like a Lorenzo Medici style patron like Da Vinci had yeah, or something. Don't we all? Um, Great. Anything else? What, yeah. what should we talk about next time? I was thinking. Oh. May I suggest? Yes. Um, how about the, uh, the Confederacy in Albuquerque? Whoa. Okay. I've written a little bit about that. I can salvage something together. Yeah. You up for that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. I've also, got some written about it, too. Yeah. So. RTs do not equal endorsements, just so you guys know. <laughs> no, this is in no way an endorsement <laughs> yeah. of the Confederate side of the yeah. Civil War, just in case. Uh, Seriously. Any alt-writers out there are getting excited. They're oh, like, finally, yeah. they're coming out in favor of, nope. uh, of the, the Confederate state of Arizona, which was what they wanted to call yeah. uh, New Mexico. Oh, my God. Oh, insult. hey, I have a book on that. Okay, good. All right. Um, we're, oh, we, I'm can, gonna be, we can talk about the yeah. Battle in Glorieta, the Battle of Albuquerque, which, by the way, I just I just saw yeah. the movie Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Uh-huh. Do you know that a significant portion of that movie takes place at the Battle of Albuquerque? No. It, it does. And, um, of course, it's you know nowhere near Albuquerque. It doesn't right. look like anything right, like right. Albuquerque, and it's not actually like oh. anything like the Al- Battle of Albuquerque, right. but exactly. they're like General Sibley's in it. Whoa. Um, they talk about like how they're having serious? to retreat. Yes, I, I was like, like so excited watching this. Huh. I had no idea. I haven't seen it in years. Okay. Oh, such a good movie, too. Wow. Okay. Crazy. All right, well... Thanks for listening, everybody. We're glad you're out there. Every time we get feedback from you guys, it's just so nice. It's we cool. love hearing from you. Actually. It's so cool that, like, you know, we like learning this stuff. It makes the city richer. We, it's it's just fun to, like, drive somewhere and be, like, have a sense of place. And we hope you guys get that, too. And, hey, one yeah. thing I was thinking about, I know yeah. that there are a lot of people who I feel like would enjoy this podcast that yeah. don't know how to listen to a podcast. Help them. Um, <laughs> help them figure it out. A lot yeah. of people who are interested in Albuquerque history are, yeah. you know, maybe a little older they, and less techno- technologically yeah. inclined. Yeah. Tell your mom. Yeah. Tell your mom how to get this Show podcast. Show how easy if, it is. If she'd like to know about him, it, tell your yeah. grandma. Yeah. Tell your grandpa. Yeah. It's uh, because, you know, history's cool. Cool. History's cool. We live in a new place. All right. All right. Peace out, everyone. Goodbye.